Hey Northerners, uh, tonight's episode is going to be one of the most notorious cases and killers probably ever known around the entire world. And that is the case of Jeffrey Dahmer. He was a serial killer that everybody knows about. And so I thought it was time I covered this infamous serial killer. Hey Northerners, a listener's note. The following episode contains coarse language, adult themes, and content of a violent and disturbing nature. The opinions expressed in the following episode do not necessarily reflect those of the Northern Blood podcast. Listener discretion is advised. Without further ado, here's the case of Jeffrey Dahmer. So during the day, he worked at the Ambrosia Chocolate Company in Milwaukee. At night, he killed people and he cut up their bodies. Jeffrey Dahmer had always been a little bit different. As a kid in Akron, Ohio, he loved to dissect insect and small animals. When his middle-class parents divorced in 1978, Jeffrey was attending Ohio State University. He dropped out only after one semester, and then that same year, 18-year-old Jeffrey committed his first murder. So when the rest of us are thinking whether we're going to go to university, or if we should get a job, or maybe there's a guy or a girl that we kind of have feelings for, this guy was out murdering people at 18. Like, he was barely legal. So Stephen Hicks had hitchhiked to a rock music concert 30 miles from his home in Coventry, Ohio. Then he simply disappeared off the face of the earth. His parents offered a reward to anyone who could lead them to their son, but no one came forward with information. Stephen, one day a typical teenager, next day he ceased to exist. It would be 13 years before his parents would learn that Jeffrey Dahmer had given their son a lift after the concert. They drove to Jeffrey. Up, up. They drove to Jeffrey's house for a few beers, and when Stephen attempted to leave, Jeffrey struck him over the head with a barbell and proceeded to strangle him. Jeffrey had nothing against Stephen; he just didn't want him to leave. So Jeffrey dragged the body outdoors into a crawl space between the ground and the floor of the house. He cut the body into pieces, poured acid over the body parts. It took a few weeks before he was able to remove excess flesh from the bones which he then crushed with a sledgehammer. Once the bones were in tiny pieces, he scattered them over his backyard. Out of sight, out of mind, Jeffrey joined the U.S. Army and served overseas in Germany for three years before being discharged with excessive drinking. In 1982, he moved in with his grandmother in West Allis, a suburb of Milwaukee. Over the next few years, Jeffrey drank heavily and was in and out of trouble with the law. He was given suspended sentences for his sex-related crimes, and once he even lowered his trousers in a crowd. And on another occasion, he was accused of masturbating in public. This guy was a real winner. Almost 10 years had passed since the murder of Stephen Hicks. That strange urge, which had managed to be suppressed for so long, had to be satisfied. It was 14-year-old James Doxtiter's misfortune to cross Jeffrey Dahmer's path. 
Doc Stater was accustomed to selling his body to weirdos for a price. Jeffrey picked him up with the promise that he would pay well if the boy would pose for nude pictures. And at the diabolical hands of Jeffrey Dahmer, Doc Stater was drugged, strangled, and dismembered. Dahmer applied acid to his body, which was eventually pulverized with a sledgehammer, which seems to be his weapon of choice. Jeffrey Dahmer was now a killing machine, with two bodies under his belt. He frequented gay bars, where he saw that men were susceptible to being picked up. Richard Guerrero was one such man. He disappeared after falling into the deadly grasp of the man with the unnatural compulsion to kill and mutilate. It became increasingly difficult and inconvenient to bring men to his grandmother's home. Jeffrey moved on to the Oxford Apartments at 808 North 24th Street in Milwaukee. Later, he would move into an apartment 213, an address that would one day be flashed around the world. Not everyone lured to Jeffrey's apartment was murdered. A few boys sensed the drugs had been placed in their beer, coffee, and raced out of the apartment. One boy, a Loatian named Synthesomphone, pressed charges. As a result, Jeffrey found himself convicted of sexual assault. He received a five-year jail sentence, but he was allowed out on a day parole so that he could continue to work at the chocolate factory. How gross is that? He's mutilating bodies, like putting acid on their skin, and he's working at a damn chocolate factory. Like, take that in for a second. Anyways... (laughs) Uh, so only 10 months later, he was given full parole. My goodness. The killings continued. Anthony Sears, Ray Smith, Edward Smith, Ernest Miller, and David Thomas were all reported missing in the 18-month period between 1989 and 1990. Jeffrey would later claim that he had sex with all these men before strangling them. By now, Jeffrey Dahmer had developed an extraordinary trait, one which placed him in unique category among serial killers who keep trophies of their kills. Well... Trophy collecting is common against serial killers. Most keep such as like a glove or a wallet. Jeffrey kept heads and entire limbs. Anthony Sears' skull was painted and kept in a refrigerator. Other heads, limbs, organs were kept as mementos of sex and murder. Months passed. Neighbors complained of the odor emanating from the Dahmer apartment. Jeffrey satisfied with them with the plausible excuses and promises that he would remedy the situation. No one took any concrete action. The killing spree went on for a long time. Curtis Strotter was 18. Errol Lindsay was 19. Tony Hughes was 31. And all ended up as victims of the human monster who retained portions of their bodies for trophies. Conorak Synthesomphone, who was 14, Coincidentally, the younger brother of the boy responsible for Dahmer's early imprisonment, so the one that called and got charges pressed and got away, he was a student at Pulaski High School. He was picked up by Jeffrey Dahmer and enticed into Unit 213. Conorak was given a beer laced with a knockout drop. He lost consciousness and was subjected to sexual assault. Noticing that he was at a beer, Jeffrey left to pick up a six-pack. And while he was gone... Conorak regained consciousness, staggered, bleeding naked out of the apartment and down the street where he was spotted by Dahmer. Others also witnessed the incident and called police, and three patrolmen, John Balserzak, Joe Gabrish, and Richard Porabkan, were sued at the scene at the incident. All three officers were experienced members of the Milwaukee Police Force and throughout their careers had received several citations for heroism and acting beyond the call of duty. So Jeffrey had to talk fast. He assured the officers that his gay lover was a drunken adult and there was really nothing amiss. 
the officers accompanied Jeffrey to his apartment, unaware that the body of Tony Hughes lay decaying in the bedroom at the time of their visit. Jeffrey showed the officers Polaroid pictures of Connernack posing in a skimpy bathing suit, and the officers assumed they had been called to a domestic dispute between the two consenting males. They were tragically wrong. After they left, Jeffrey strangled Connerack to death. All three officers would later be suspended with pay for their actions, and the three policemen maintained they appeared to be a loving relationship between the two participants and that there were none of the usual warning signs that anything was drastically wrong. His brief brush with the law didn't discourage Jeffrey. On June 30th, 1991, Matt Turner was murdered in Dahmer's apartment. Jeremiah Weinberger, Oliver Lacey, Joseph Brandfort, they all met the same fate. All four heads were later found in the refrigerator. Side note, what does this guy eat if his fridge is full of heads? Just, just, just a thought. Um, on July 22nd, 1991, police officers Robert Routh and Rolf Mueller were in their patrol car when they were flagged down by Tracy Edwards. Edwards wanted to get the cops to get him out of the handcuffs he was wearing. He told the officers a wild story of a man who had threatened to cut his heart out and eat it. The officers had fr- the frightened man led them to Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment. The first thing to hit the officers was the vile odor of the apartment. They questioned Jeffrey, radioed headquarters to do a routine check on their suspect. Work came back, the Dahmer had a felony conviction against him, and the officers looked around the filthy apartment. One of them opened the refrigerator door, and within hours, the world was privy to the secret life of Jeffrey Dahmer. Dahmer's trial in 1992 attracted worldwide attention. Security in the Milwaukee courtroom was unprecedented, with police dogs used to sniff for explosives and an eight-foot-tall, bulletproof glass and steel wall erected to protect the accused from the gallery, which largely consisted of the families of his 17 victims. 17. Casting aside his lawyer's advice, Dahmer changed his plea to guilty by reason of insanity. That put his lawyer, Gerald Boyle, in a position of having to prove that the vile acts of his client in torturing, dispatching, dismembering his 17 victims could have only been performed by a madman. It became one of the most graphic and disturbing defenses ever presented in an American courtroom. Ultimately, Boyle failed, and after five hours of deliberation, a jury found Dahmer both guilty and sane. He was sentenced to 15 consecutive life terms, a total of, are you ready? 957 years in prison. Two years later, Dahmer was attacked in the prison chapel by a prisoner he had never met before. In spite of this, he was later able to persuade authorities to grant him more access to the general prison population and was given janitorial duties. On November 8, 28, 1994, guards found Dahmer dead, his head crushed by a fellow inmate and member of his work detail. So that is all I have for you for Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, Fortunately, someone took care of the problem. This guy was never going to stop killing. And he probably, he was still young. Like he probably would have taken another 20 victims had he had the chance. So that was the case of Jeffrey Dahmer. I know it's an infamous one and there are so many rumors. There were even rumors that he was the one that actually killed Adam Walsh. If you remember, um, John Walsh's son was abducted. That's a case I'll cover at another time. Um, but unfortunately, um, he eventually was found and there were rumors that 
the van that Jeffrey Dahmer actually drove around at that point in time was seen around the Sears, which is where Adam Walsh had gone missing. So there are probably a lot more crimes and murders and dismemberments that he actually was responsible for, but they just never had the information and they'll never know now because he is dead. So um, thank you for listening and stay safe, Northerners. Thank you so much for listening. Every case I talk about is so important and deserves the attention. If you could kindly share this podcast with your friends, that would be amazing. If this is the first time you're listening to Northern Blood, thank you. I would love for you to go give our show a five-star review on Apple Podcasts 